Hello and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. My name is Jens Nelson. And my name is Lucas Stark. And this is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life as we strive for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. So today is our final Tuesday episode in the month of Martyr May. And uh, as, as we've talked about you know, time and time again this month, uh, I was really excited to do it. I'm really thankful that we got the recommendation to talk about martyrs. Um, when I first got the recommendation, I wasn't sure how we were going to do it, if we were going to spend the whole month just looking at different martyrs. Um, but I've really liked how we've sort of gone from, um, you know, what is martyrdom to talking about a specific martyr, you know, martyrology, um, to talk about reformational martyrs, and then today to talk about modern martyrs, or at least, um, you know, within the last hundred years or so. Um, and, and it's just, it's very interesting, especially in light of Friday's episode where we talked about the 21 Coptic martyrs. Um, it's so interesting to see just like this evolution of martyrdom and how we relate to it, how we can look back at history, we can look back at these, um, you know, historic martyrdoms, read about Polycarp, read about, um, I, I don't know why I'm blanking on some of the other ones, but just you know, those, those more prolific um, church historians, church history people, um, but also to, to compare that to uh, people living today. I mean, there are people who, um, uh, who are alive right now who will likely be martyred for their faith. Um, and that's a reality that as Christians in the West, especially living in America, that we just don't encounter all that often. Um, we might face persecution or what we label as persecution, um, but in reality, it's, it's, it's nothing compared to what some of our brothers and sisters around the world face on a, on a daily basis. So um, not entirely sure exactly you know, what, what all is going to get covered here in, in, in this episode. Um, we haven't really talked a lot about it beforehand, but I'm excited to dive into this idea of of modern martyrs, of of what martyrdom looks like, especially in the 21st century. So, uh, Lucas, what uh, what what do you want to say at the outset? What uh, what ideas? What thoughts do you have? I just kind of want to sort of repeat, echo what what we've talked a little bit about throughout this month, and also what you just said. Like, it's not good enough to sort of think of martyrdom as something from history books, which it is, you know, it's something that has existed forever and will continue to exist um, as we live in a world that is racked with divisions and violence and hate and all that stuff. Um, but it is something that is also a present reality. Like we talked about the fact that we can learn about the 21 Coptic martyrs through news stories because it is something that happened in the here and now, right? Um, and something else that comes to mind on, on April 18th, I saw on the news, um, ISIS shot a guy in the back of the head, executing him that they had kidnapped five months prior. And this was just because he was a Christian. You know, he was a guy, he and his family were, were Christians. He he built a church in his town and, and he was... You know, Nabil Habashi was was slain for no reason. And that was, you know, in the news on April 15th. I mean, April 18th. Um, and as, you know, instead of running through a bunch of examples like that, which I'm sure we, without too much trouble, could find if we took the time to um, just sit down and look at news stories or look at organizations like, um, like Voice of the Martyrs or other um, 
Christian nonprofits or, or organizations like that, and even even non-Christian ones that that would would keep track of things like um, you know religious persecution and violence around the world. Um, I wanted to, to and, and we talked touched didn't really talk about how to do this as much as just touched base. Like we really wanted to more take some time to reflect on yeah martyrdom in the context of our contemporary world that we live in as Christians who don't live in a situation where our lives are at risk or, or our safety or our jobs or even our, you know, really any sort of social, um, you know, advantages. Right. Uh, you know, I, I know everywhere is a little different and every, and especially every individual person is going to have a different experience in terms of their city, their neighborhood, their job, all that kind of stuff. And I, I'm not discounting any of that, but what I am saying is I think it's pretty clear <laughs> from a story like, like that, that I just mentioned, um, there weren't any Christians in the United States or, uh, the West more broadly that were being kidnapped and beaten and executed because they were Christians. <laughs> right. Like, um, and this isn't to compare suffering or to, you know, see who can win the, you know, victim Olympics or whatever. It's to be very honest and frank and uh, reflect, like I said, meditate on what does it mean to live in a world, to be a Christian today, a Christian who is safe, a Christian who has the freedom to live as a Christian openly who has the freedom to meet together in public with other Christians. Um, who has the ability to tweet whatever the heck they want without any fear of repercussions and, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, what's the worst repercussions you get banned from Twitter? Like If that. I mean, you get blocked, crazy, you get muted, whatever. What a crazy, like... It, yeah, I don't know. There, there's so many just priority problems, I feel like. Yeah, that's with, a good way to put kind it. Of, it you know, and I'm not attacking anyone or, or trying to, you know, like genuinely these are these thoughts are not based on any group of people or individual person saying or doing something that rubs me the wrong way. I, it's just it really is in light of all the time that we've spent this month thinking about and talking about martyrdom and then bringing that into the present day. Um, the it's it's challenging because martyrdom does not exist in my present day mm. if that makes sense martyrdom does like is very obviously present today in our world but not for me you know i, I i've never once felt at risk in any sense for being a christian or you know holding a certain religious view right um, or telling someone, you know, maybe it's a little awkward or maybe I'm afraid they'll make fun of me or disagree with me or I don't want to get in a debate, you know, whatever, whatever concerns might be. Those are all fine concerns to have, but like those are not the concerns of people living in different parts of the world and, right. and not just people, Christians, our brothers and sisters. And I, I guess the first question, I'll kind of just kick it to you. What does it mean? 
maybe this isn't the best way to ask it, but this is kind of the way it came to my head. Like, what does it mean for us to, you know, who are Christians living in a, in safety, we're not in danger because of our faith. What does it mean for us to think about how we relate to and are connected to those brothers and sisters we have who are in danger? Right. Um, I mean, and that's a that's a very vague and big question, but I kind of yeah. wanted to leave it vague and big to see kind of where we could go, you yeah. know, in conversation. Well, the first thing that comes to mind, and it's it, it's a it's a juxtaposition, it's a, it's a comparison. When I think about, you know, what Americans or Canadians experience as far as persecution goes, um, the extent of our persecution is is like we're saying it's very minimal. We have we have, we face very little real and actual per- persecution um, but especially in light of COVID-19 especially in light of lockdowns and restrictions and social distancing and masks and limitations um, this has almost taken on a um, I think a persecution complex for some people I mean I know that recently there have been a couple stories of, of pastors up in Canada who have been arrested even who have been um, taken away in handcuffs because they're um, you know, to, to some people, they're refusing to follow the law, to follow the government, uh, the governmental mandates. And then there are people on the other side, they're like, we're just trying to worship God freely. And you're, you know, re- restricting our rights, our, our, our duty to our God and to, um, you know, his church or his people. And, and that's not necessarily the point of, of this episode. We're not trying to, to go into who's right and who's wrong on, on those debates. Um, but my point is um, to, to juxtapose that over and against what our brothers and sisters are experiencing in, in North Korea or, um, you know, the, the Coptic martyrs, for example, you know, Christians in Africa. Um, that's that's very real and present danger, very real and present persecution, um, very real and present loss of life, uh, loss of property, loss of social status. Um, like the government in Canada is not telling you you can't worship. They're not keeping you at home as far as I know, maybe I'm wrong, but as, as far as what I've read and what I've seen, nobody has said that it's illegal to be a Christian or you can't worship your God. They're just asking that you socially distance, that you wear masks, that you do these certain things, that you follow these protocols. Um, and so there's there's this almost like, I don't know what you call it, but like a maybe a superiority complex, maybe just ignorance, maybe um, a little bit of sin. But like I feel like we do our brothers and sisters around the world a disservice when we react so harshly so um when when we're so reactionary to these things like these arrests um i get that it's a serious thing to get arrested is not you know trivial um but to understand the context to understand what's going on to even understand that nobody's even at risk of losing a life um it, it just to me, it's when I, especially when I compare it against what our brothers and sisters have experienced throughout church history and today, it just seems so like trivial. That's the only word that comes to mind when I think of this. And it, it may, maybe I'm maybe I'm completely ignorant. Maybe I'm completely missing the mark. Maybe completely missing the point here. But when I think about modern persecution um, of any kind in the West, those are the things that come to mind. Things like that, um, and, and it's just different. It's a different experience from from those people that we could find all around the rest of the world um and, and it's a shame because yeah. i think i think like we especially as christians in the west we have platforms we have the ability 
like you're saying, to worship freely, to share our faith freely. We have all these privileges, all these, um, some might even say responsibilities to be a light to the world. Um, but so often we seem to squander that opportunity. And I bet our brothers and sisters in North Korea, for example, would revel at the thought of being able to do what we can do in this country. Um, I don't know, kind of th- curious what you're, what you're thinking about that. Yeah, I, I think it's really important, like you said, to think like if we're thinking about our relationship with the church in other circumstances, political or social or, or you know, in conflict with other religions or whatever, for us, uh, um, living in such societies as we do, um, openly, you know, such open societies as we do, um, that that relationship I think really brings to 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 think about that relationship I think brings perspective. Right. Like you're yeah. highlighting this this difference in the experiences that that different groups or different um, or uh, churches in different nations experience and i do want to say i'm not trying to minimize like again i'm not trying to minimize different types of persecution like i understand that persecution is persecution i'm not trying to say that you have to only get persecuted and risk losing your life to experience real and tangible persecution i'm just trying to say like in light of some of these other things like to put it in perspective a little bit like i hope i I hope this isn't coming across as being like insensitive to uh, maybe even brothers and sisters around the world who maybe don't fear um, losing their life, but they, you know, maybe fear losing social status in their society or, um, you know, their rights to land or property or something. Right. And I think that that perspective is the, is sort of the, the thing I'm thinking about the most, you know, as I was kind of thinking about this episode and thinking about like to, to have something so radically different as to be legitimately and, and genuinely have a reason to be fearful for your life over your faith. And then to look at my life, you know, where I've, for the, you know, I've, I've spent years in Christian schools, you know, my, my t-shirts have, have Christian messages and my, um, you know, I, I go to the tattoo shop and pay some guy to, to tattoo on me, um, a Christian image, you know what I mean? And we have a conversation about faith while, while he's doing it. And I drive up to church where I can, you know, get my expensive Bible and prayer book and, and go in and, and hear the word preached faithfully um, in nice air-conditioned facilities. And it sounds like maybe I'm denigrating all of this and saying, oh, we shouldn't have this because other people don't. That's not it at all. But we should be particularly grateful for those things we have that our brothers and sisters don't. And then right. I think this this leads into having this perspective and thinking about this maybe leads into kind of my, my second question. Um, how can we how can we serve the persecuted church? Yeah. You know, and again, a very vague and big question. <laughs> um, a little bit. And, and again, that's kind of on purpose. Right. But, I, you know, and, and I don't I, I don't even have any sense of an answer i have a i have a little bit of one i guess you know as so much as just thoughts yeah um or or maybe even just desires Mm. for thoughts maybe but um i I, you know when i think i i think of obviously maybe hopefully obviously like prayer right is the greatest 
you know, it's it, it too easily in our in our world, I think that can kind of sound like or even even really become a bit of a cop out of I'm praying for you. Right. And then we forget it, you know, and then put that on a bigger scale. Oh, pray for the persecuted church. And then we 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 feel sad for a minute and then we move on. That's not what I'm talking about, but I'm talking about real prayer. You know, people really engaged in crying out to God and lamenting the circumstances that brothers and sisters can be put to death for no other reason than being a Christian. Hmm. Um, the tribulations and trials that we have been spared currently, you know, in, in God's providence in terms of when and where we were born. Um, but not all Christians in history and today have been spared of those trials and tribulations. And those won't overcome the church. Uh, but the fact that we don't experience them, I think of Paul's discussion, discussion and description of the body where, where one member of the body has more, that's so that it can serve another member of the body, right? And in this conversation, we as Western Christians have more, um, definitely materially, but also just in terms of our abilities and freedoms, right? Um, so prayer, I think, is a really really important foundation for taking more material actions. Whether I, and this is where I wish I had I had more concrete in terms of organizations or I, I don't even know. But um, I just think of all all the financial resources that we're able to give to missions and things like missions and and potentially humanitarian relief projects. Or, or I again, I'm kind of just rambling at this point. So I'm gonna you know, yeah. hand it off to you. Cause I, I, those are like the thoughts that come to my mind is like, why am I not spending time in prayer mm. for those suffering brothers and sisters? And then also on a more, on a bigger scale, what kind of financial or other, you know, sort of relief resources can, is it possible for some members of the body to offer to others? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm really what, curious. What, what comes to mind when you asked that question for me was even just uh, to show honor to those who have who have given their lives, and that might look different for for different people. But like, what comes to mind for me is, um, you know, especially if if there ever came a point where where our country were to experience anything similar to what our brothers and sisters experience around the world, um, I think honoring their stories, their 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 lives, would be to um, to face death the same way that they did, um, to understand that like they, I mean, they gave up their lives. Um, they did not renounce their, their, their faith and their, their love for our Lord. And when I think about myself being in that situation, I sometimes wonder like, what would I do? Would I renounce my faith? Would I remain bold and, and, and faithful to the very end? Um, but we, we honor their witness. Again, again, if you remember, that's what martyr, essentially means we honor their witness by um if if it comes to it being the same type of witness to continue that that message that um that picture for even future generations but um we can honor them by by praying for them as you said we can honor them by um you know seeking to aid those who remain in their place you know whether it's i mean think about these 21 people these i think they were all men right so they they probably left behind um wives and children and mothers and fathers and brothers so what does it look like to care for the people that are left behind after maybe the sole provider for the family is no longer with them how, how, how can you 
you know tangibly provide for them and i don't necessarily like you're saying i don't necessarily have the right answer as far as like this charity or this humanitarian aid or or whatever um but maybe part of it is in our own country um caring for the poor caring for the needy i mean i literally know people who you know when when politics get into the into the picture when we talk about elections that just happened a couple of months ago um, like literally having conversations with friends and family members who who said things along the lines of like, well, I don't want America to turn into Venezuela. I don't want America to turn into, you know, X, Y or Z, quote unquote, third world country. Um, and I, I remember when someone said this, I was just like struck. I was like, wow, like that's a very like that's not a very healthy attitude to have as as a Christian, as a believer to um, to care so much about like your comfort, to to care so much about. Um, you know, your, your materials or, or your possessions or whatever, um, that you would say something like that. Like, why? Well, you know, I mean, to even to even assert that, like, just because Biden comes to office that, like, America is going to turn to Venezuela. I mean, that's that's a, just a little ridiculous in, in and of itself. But um, what, what do we think about our brothers and sisters who are living in Venezuela? Do you think that they're, like, somehow less happy, less contented? Um, less in love with our Lord just because they don't have maybe some of the same things that we have. Or when we think about North Korea, uh, where we have brothers and sisters who literally are like underground, who cannot worship at all. I mean, it's absolutely illegal um, in their, um, you know, dictatorship regime. Um, like, what, do we think that like, you know, that they're any less deserving of love, that they're any less deserving of, of food and comfort and shelter? Um, and again, maybe now I'm rambling, but I think a big, a big thing that we can do is, is, um, as we seek to, um, honor those who have given their lives is we, we then in turn give our lives, maybe not to the point of death, um, but as servants, as, as people who are humble, who are gracious, who are charitable, um, hospitable, welcome people into our homes. Um, you know, what we think about refugees, for example, I mean, a lot of people who are refugees, they're not just people who are trying to come here and, um, you know, just uh, some of them, I guess, are escaping from persecution in their own countries, whether they're Christians or not. But think about some of those people who are refugees who are coming to our country as Christians who do face that threat of losing their lives. You know, what does it look like to welcome them, to um, invite them into our homes, to love them? These are just some of the things, I guess, for me that, that have come to mind. Yeah, and I, I like, like, you kind of took talking about these people who are physically very far away and reflecting on our relationship with them and their situation into motivating certain actions with the people who are physically close to us, right? right? And so it's like, obviously, the people in my neighborhood and church and city in Alabama, USA, are not facing persecution for their faith. But there are people who have needs in right. my neighborhood and church and city. And there are things I can get involved with or things I can do or things I can um, be a part of to serve both my neighbor and especially the you know my brothers and sisters who are around me. And that, I think, is part of what potentially can or, or maybe should happen when we think about the persecuted church. Because, because on an individual basis, 
we, you know, God has placed us here, not there, right? So we're limited. There's, you know, part of this perspective, I think, is there's, there's, like, we're saying, like, oh, it'd be great to, like, give money here or be a part of, you know, some kind of relief effort. But we have no idea if those things even exist or where they are or what or how to do it, you know. And hopefully they do. And and if if you know of something, you know, let us know. <laughs> um, but but even if we even if we are not in a position where we have the knowledge or the resources or the ability to um, minister to those physical needs that the persecuted church is experiencing, and that could be all kinds of things like like smuggling in Bibles to places where they're not able to access the word, or it could be money to help rebuild a church that was attacked or something. You, you know, like like it could be a million different things, but even if we're not engaged in that because we are planted here, um, I, I think that reflecting on our brothers and sisters who are in these parts of, of the world, different parts of our, um, you know, different, different nations, different societies, all that kind of stuff, and, and thinking about that in light of our own relative comfort and safety, hmm. ought to motivate us to serve and to love our neighbors as ourselves the way that we've been instructed and and commanded to do um and i think that that's potentially i i think maybe part of you know in a living in a society in a global society like we do today where we know what's going on on the other side of the world which is just because of technology and stuff we we can hear and see what's going on in china or libya or you know sweden or whatever but because we have that ability, um, I, I, I feel like like this this perspective and reflection on our own um, service to others and love that we are trying to express to others is is I, I think maybe we could look at it as part of the witness that martyrs give us today. Yeah, because a a martyr in in Libya cannot, you know provide me with a witness to encourage me in, and strengthen me in the face of persecution because I'm not persecuted, you know. But what that martyr in Libya can do is provide me with a witness of faith in Christ that has, that has taken w- what it looks like to see someone united to Christ, you know, in, in the absolute worst circumstances you can imagine, and that witness to come back to me as exhortation and encouragement and conviction to serve and love others yeah. with that in light of that same union that I share as that brother of mine in Libya or that sister of mine in North Korea or whatever. Um, I mean, martyrdom and yeah. I mean, losing, losing your life is like the ultimate example of, um, I mean, it's the, it's the ultimate sacrifice in a sense. It's the ultimate picture of, of, of those who are, um, suffering and in need. I mean, I'm, what I'm what I'm trying to say is like I, I just picture like Jesus as he walked throughout the Gospels, as he lived on this earth, as he looked out into the crowds and had compassion on them. Um, like like we're saying, I and mean, we can look at martyrs and see the the ultimate sacrifice that they paid, and it ought to infuse us with empathy, with with humility, with um, with with love for all of Christ's people and the world, recognizing that there are people out there in the world who. Um, 
might respond positively to the gospel um, in light of people who have lost their lives. There, I mean, there, there's just, there, there, life is so difficult. Life is so complex. We are so not in control of so many things that we don't know how even the smallest gesture of kindness is going to, to affect somebody, um, let alone someone giving up their lives. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it really comes down to like what, what we keep saying just uh, keeps bringing my mind back to this idea of perspective mm. and both looking at something like the martyrdom of Polycarp or what it was like for the church in those early centuries under Roman persecution um, all the way up through to today, um, but especially looking at things that are going on today to really just reflect on and, and gain a perspective on our place in the world and the, and the, the, the work that God has given us to do as his church to love right. and serve our neighbor um, by you know loving God by loving our neighbor and serving God by serving our neighbor for the life of the world and I think that really you know is is a fitting way to kind of wrap up not just today but but our our, our martyr month as just a reflection on the idea of witness and that comes in in multiple forms but ultimately I think that's what martyrdom and martyrs are doing is pointing us, back to Christ, which in turn points us back outward to how we can show Christ to others in our love, hospitality, service, mm. you know, all the things that, that we were talking about. Um, and, and I don't know, I think that's a pretty good way to wrap up. I don't Let's know do if it. you have anything yeah. else. I mean, this, um, the only thing I'll yeah. say is, I mean, take a minute to, to pause, to reflect, to, to think about what we've said here, not just in this episode, but over the course of this month to, to think about ways that you can do what we're saying here. Um, cause who knows what, what, what good, what eternal good can come from, from doing such a thing. Yeah. But yeah, if you want to close with a word of prayer, why don't we, why don't we do that? We'll do. Um, this is a prayer for the universal church. Fitting. Oh God of unchangeable power and eternal light. Look favorably on your whole church, that wonderful and sacred mystery. By the effectual working of your providence, carry out in tranquility the plan of salvation. Let the whole world see and know that things which were cast down are being raised up, and things which had grown old are being made new, and that all things are being brought to their perfection by him through whom all things were made, your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Doxology Podcast, and, and thank you for listening to, to any episode. Um, but as you pause, as you reflect, as you think about these things, um, if you want to connect with us, if you want to you know, reach out and share a story, if you, um, you know, want encouragement or something, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Doxology Podcast. You can always shoot us an email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We welcome feedback, questions, episode ideas, constructive criticism um you know if you want us to send you our theme song we had somebody reach out and ask for our theme song like no question is too ridiculous we we want to hear from you so until next time peace <laughs>